Another round, another win as Frio cruise against North Melbourne. Join me this week as I take a deep dive into our Round 9 clash against the Gold Coast Suns up at Metricon. I'm your host as always, and this is the Big Deeds Podcast. The story is, boys have become men. The Brayshaw, he'll give him the kid, he'll give you the man. He can do it all, David Mundy. Liam Henry snaps a great goal. What a time to do it. The big kahuna kicks his first goal. Frederick, Frederick scores. Maybe for Walter. The Dockers smashed the Roos by 75 points, with debutant Jai Amos kicking two goals, including kicking his first goal within the few minutes of the game, joining the first kick, first goal club alongside Fremantle legend Matthew Pavlich. Heath Chapman also picked up this round's NAB Rising Star nomination. Very well deserved by Heath Chapman. He's been building towards this nomination for pretty much the whole season up to this point. And if his round one spoil against the Crows wasn't convincing enough, well then, his performance a couple of nights ago certainly was. Heath Chapman had 12 intercepts, 5 score involvements, 25 disposal at 92% disposal efficiency. The best defender on our team that night, and his performance was also good enough to make several team of the week. Overall, there isn't anything really interesting to take out of this game. I mean, we did have... Six players out due to the COVID protocols, but I mean, we were always going to win this game, you know, facing North Melbourne, who West Coast aside are probably the worst team in the AFL at Optus Stadium under the Friday night lights was always going to be a winnable game by us. But overall, it was a very enjoyable game to watch, and it was certainly hyped by the long-awaited debut of Jai Amos. I called it during the week. I said he was going to make his debut. That played out. I said he was going to kick five. He had multiple opportunities. He was very muscled by Ben Mackay, but, I mean, what are you going to do in your first game? But still kicked two goals, played a major role in our side, and overall, I thought he did amazingly well. And especially that first goal as well. I mean, once he won the one-on-one body contact with, I think it was Josh Walker, the crowd just went absolutely off their chops. I mean, I haven't seen a player cheat up that much in their first game for a while, actually. As soon as you knew that Jai Amos was going to take the mark, the crowd was just absolutely off its head, and it was just amazing to see. They certainly were up and alive. The crowd, there was a couple of signs, the Jai Amos sign, the flag medal is here sign, wink wink at Freo memes. The game was fun to watch, but it was also very brutal. I mean, North, you've got to give North a credit or two. They certainly bring a lot more intensity than they did last week. They did get a bit dirty, especially with that Jack Zebel. Mark late in the third quarter. He fallen, took the mark. Great mark, to be honest. And then he stepped out of his line, I reckon about two metres, and he's given Jordan Clark a hip and shoulder for absolutely no reason. Brayshaw was best on ground, as always. Brayshaw is always going to be best on ground or either runner-up. That's just how good of a quality play he's become. However, if Will Brody played as much game time as Brayshaw did, I reckon Brody would have gotten BOG. I mean... Brody had 68 
90% time on ground compared to Brayshaw, who had 90+. Plus. And Will Brody had more disposals. Will Brody had 37 disposals, while Brayshaw had 34. That is ridiculously high for only being on the ground for basically just over half the time. That's ridiculous. Will Brody has been absolutely the recruit of the season. At the Gold Coast, he was basically a nobody playing from the twos, and now he's been traded to Fremantle. By the way, what a bargain deal. We got pick 19 from the Suns, which actually ended up being one of the most valuable draft picks on the entire night, since it was the first pick of the second night. And we got all of that to get rid of a second rounder and a fourth rounder. Absolutely incredible bargain, and the Fremantle stonks are going to be rising through the roof after looking back on that trade. We Fremantle fans knew as soon as the trade had happened, it was a bargain trade. And now it's only becoming better and better as good as Will Brody has been. Brody has been the Jared Lyons of 2022. And I think this time next year, Will Brody could genuinely become a Brownlow Smokey. I'm going to be honest, I think I rate him that highly. He's had that good of a season. His preseason was incredible, and his season so far is just following off the back of that. But he has been absolutely incredible, Will Brody. He's gone from pretty much a nobody on the Gold Coast to arguably one of the best mids in a side that is currently sitting second on the ladder. I thought Sean Darcy and Jordan Clark both played really, really well. They both made a huge impact. Sean Darcy clearly was a league or two above Todd Goldstein. And Jordan Clark, who not only kicked a goal and had an amazing roll down back, but he plays with so much passion. And he sticks up for his teammates, which for a guy that's only been at the club for, what, six, seven months now, when he shows that passion and he's willing to step up to a guy that he's only known for half a year in the AFL. That's amazing to see Jordan Clark. Huge praises for his season and how he's going so far. Bailey Banfield, I also thought was really well. Without a question, the best game he's played for our club. At the end of the night, he could have kicked five goals. He kicked two goals, three. And he ended up getting like 20-plus something disposal. So really, really big night for Bailey Banfield. And if he continues to have this sort of game, he might cement his spot in the side. Speaking of team selections, I know it's a bit early to make... Team selections, I am recording this on the Monday this week, just for all of you who are aware, but I may as well call who I think is going to go in and out this week. Lob will go in for Jai Amos. I know that sounds a bit rough, taking out of a debutant who kicked two goals in his first game to compare to Josh Tracy, who didn't make scoreboard impact, but Jai Amos was bodied a lot by Ben Mackay. And I thought Josh Tracy went really, really well. The only problem that he had, actually, is that he just couldn't hit the scoreboard, which is probably why fans are saying that he should be swapped out for Rory Lobb. But I think a miss goes out, Lobb goes back in. Swakowski should be an easy swap for Travis Collier, who comes back. Liam Henry should be dropped for Michael Frederick, who also enters out of the COVID protocols. Blake Akers is also going to return as well. He should probably make way for James Ace, who actually had a pretty solid game on Friday night, but Blake Akers has just been in very, very hot form at the moment, and his three consecutive amazing games surpass James Aish's one good game of the year. And that's pretty much all the in and outs, I think, that should happen during the week. No really major drops or concerns. Most of our best 22 come back because they missed last Friday night due to the COVID protocols. But overall, our list should be building back to its best 22. 
And speaking of our game against the Suns, we're going to jump straight into that with the Anchor Stronghold. The one area of our game that stands on top when compared to the Suns is probably our midfield. Gold Coast have a very overlooked midfield, in my opinion. They have Jared Witts in the ruck, who's probably the most underrated ruckman in the competition, in my opinion. Took Miller, who is an absolute gun, and Matt Rowell, who, although is capable of being very, very good, has been woefully out of form as of late. But our midfield really just stands league above the Gold Coast. We've got Sean Darcy in the ruck, who's at this point probably a top two ruckman. Andy Brayshaw, who's arguably the hottest player in the competition at the moment. And Will Brody, who was also my eyes-on player for this week. Obviously, when you're playing against your old club, there is going to be a bit of spice in this game, as we've seen of late. And you do cop to tend a few from the media when facing an old side. But I really, really think Will Brody is the type of player who really takes this sort of opportunity very, very well. And I think we could possibly see the best game that we've ever seen from Will Brody. I think... He'll get over 40 disposals this week and also kick a bag or two. Finally, the lookout player, the one opposition player that can turn the game on its head is Isaac Rankin. Rankin was on thin ice in terms of selection in these last couple of weeks. He was heavily criticized by Kane Corns on Footy Classified and the Sunday Footy Show. But Rankin pulled himself together and had an absolute stellar game against the Swans. He was one of the Suns that really led his side to that upset win over the Swans. And we do seem to struggle against that sort of X-factor small forward. We've seen that with Cameron Zerha, who kicked two. We've seen that with Josh Rochelle, who kicked five on debut. And we could probably see something with Isaac Rankin throughout this game. And I wouldn't be totally surprised if we see Rankin kicking either three or four this week. In saying that, though, Frio should definitely win this game. The Suns are coming off of one of their best wins of the season, beating the Swans at the SCG. But the Dockers have been, no pun intended, against the Gold Coast Suns here. But they've been too hot to handle. And Frio should comfortably win this game. Gold Coast will show some fight, though. And they will show some resilience to keep fighting till the very end. But I think Fremantle should comfortably win this game by 17 points. I'm going to jump into the Q&A now sent by you guys with the first question being, how are we going to make sure a Melbourne club doesn't get Griffin Logue? For those who are unaware, there have been a lot of Victorian clubs that have been circling Griffin Logue over the fact that he is not playing in Fremantle's best 22. Logue has been a very, very solid defender for a footy club. He was actually in Australian form in early 2020 before his foot injury, and he's been playing some of his career best games this season. Because of that and the selection problem, several clubs have been circling Griffin Logue. Although we don't exactly know which Victorian clubs are circling on him, we can suspect at least four and maybe five. Logue, in my opinion, is definitely going to stay. He has said countless times that he's happy in WA. Obviously, he's a WA boy as well, being drafted from Western Australia. This and the fact that his team are finally starting to succeed, I don't think Logue will leave. And I definitely think this trade talk has been a little bit overhyped in the last couple of weeks. Moving on to the next question. Do you think the AFL media is Victorian biased? Absolutely, 100% yes. 7AFL on Instagram is basically just Richmond's second media team. And oh my god, dude, footy classified is so Victorian biased, it's not even funny. So, to cast your mind back a couple of weeks ago, we beat Geelong and Cadenia Park, right? Not easy. Geelong have played that 113 times in their club's history to win 100 of them. This, and we go into the game with no Tabata, no Darcy, 
knowing that Fife, our three most important players, we keep Geelong to 66 points when they usually average 87. And above all else, despite all those odds, we beat Geelong by three points in an absolute classic. Now, you would think that with a story like that, that would be a huge talking point. I mean, everyone's been talking about Frio being second on the ladder, but, you know, they haven't faced a competitive side. What a way to prove everyone wrong than be the side that has pretty much been the benchmark of the AFL for the last decade to beat them at their home fortress where they never lose. So I sit down on the Monday watching the first of the week for Footy Classified, expecting probably at least a four-minute discussion at minimum of how Freo have staked themselves as finals contenders and it's probably the second seed to Melbourne. I watched the whole hour episode, not a single word. The name Fremantle or Geelong was not even brought up or mentioned in the entire episode. Like, this is a match that's going to define the season. And it's one that has defined Fremantle season and how everyone looks at them in terms of whether they are a premiership threat or not. And they proceed to sweep it under the carpet, burn it to ashes, put it in a hole, and then blow it up with a landmine. Like, I was stunned. I could not believe they didn't even mention it. Not not even like a 10-second discussion of, oh yeah, Freeman will beat Geelong. Literally nothing. It's like they didn't even watch the match. It's like the match itself never existed. I guarantee you, if Carlton was the team that beat Geelong that weekend, they would be praising Michael Voss. They'd be talking about how Carlton are the next premiership threat to Melbourne. I guarantee you Matthew Lloyd would be sitting there with a Carlton scarf wrapped around his neck, and Kara Wilson would be showing up in Carlton PJs. Again, not a single word spoken about Fremantle or Geelong. Not one word on that night. Anyway, moving on. Blake Akers or Will Brody? That's actually a genuinely pretty good question. Uh... In terms of who I think the better player is, I'd probably say Will Brody just based off like his stat sheet. I mean, to have 37 disposals, only being on the ground for like 67% of the time, that's a huge number for only that limited of time. But I feel like Blake Akers plays more of a crucial role in our side. He plays such a crucial role as that very tall winger who's able to play both defensively and offensively, as again, we saw at Kidania Park. So, if I were to keep one and get rid of the other, I'd keep Blake Akers because he plays more of a crucial role on our side that no one on our list can really replace. But I think Will Brody is the better player. So, good question. It's a genuine 50-50, but that's probably the criteria I stand by. With Nat Fife coming back, who would you drop and where would you put Fife? Another good question, and it's one that's been picking up a lot of discussion in the last couple of days. I think Kane Corns was the one that criticised Nat Five for not being able to play the way Fremantle do structurally, as that sort of, as soon as we lose the ball, we enact that pressure. Nat Five's really been known for being a very poor defensive player. But in saying that, I would slot Five strains in the midfield. I mean, at the start of the year, Five said he was going to play in the midfield, Brayshaw says he's going to play in the midfield, and Longmuir having a discussion with Nat Fife about putting him anywhere in terms of position-wise, but he also believes Fife will be a midfielder. So when you've got one of our leaders saying that Fife's going to play midfield, our coach saying Fife's going to play midfield, and Fife himself saying that he's going to play midfield, 
I don't know. I think he might be playing in the midfield. In terms of who I take out of the side, looking at our list last week, if I was to make a decision, I'd probably take Darcy Tucker. Darcy Tucker is a really solid backup option, but I don't think he's a player that's going to fit in our best 22. He has a very wide set of versatility, which we love, but he also draws numerous comparisons with James Aish, who in that discussion, I'd also pick Darcy Tucker. So I'd probably take him out. I'd keep Will Brody in. He's done more than enough to prove himself to be a best 22 player. Brayshaw's probably our best player, so he stays in. Mundy's going to play every game until the end of the world, so there's that. And Blake Akers stays on the wing. Next question, do you think Lobb has a future at Freo? I think I mentioned this either the episode last week or the week before that, but no, I don't believe Lobb has a future at Freo. Whether he goes to St. Kilda or GWS doesn't it's not really a concern for me, to be honest. I honestly don't care where he ends up as long as we get a good bargain for him because he's actually been in really good form this year, Roy Lobb. He's been very impressive. He's been able to step up when Tabernacle hasn't been available to play. And he's actually been really, really accurate this year, which I think has been the big improvement for Lobb this year. Lobb is a very valuable player in terms of what he brings to a side. You know, he's very tall, but he's also very agile. He's able to play both ruck and forward, which St. Kilda, he has been linked to, would suit massively, especially if Paddy Ryder is in the twilight of his career. But honestly, whether he goes or stays, I'm happy with either way. But if he does go, I want something actually very valuable for him. I want him to go for the right price, is what I'm saying. And I think most Freo fans would agree with me there. Is Lockie Schultz in All-Australian form? He has been flowing under the radar, but he had a very quiet game on Friday night against North Belmont. But besides that, he has been absolutely superb, and he is an All-Australian smoky. In my opinion, he has been very, very overlooked by the AFL world. Him and alongside Darcy Moore have probably been the most underrated players in the entire competition this year. And I can certainly see him and Darcy Moore potentially making the All-Australian list this year. And that's going to do us for this week. Very, very short episode this week, but I guess that happens when you play North Melbourne. There isn't really much to talk about. It's going to be a very intriguing contest against the Suns and I do believe if the Suns bring the same intent as they did against the Swans last week they could potentially pull an upset here but I'm going to back the Dockers I've been doing it since I win at Cadenia Park which actually wasn't that long time ago but now nah, go Freo up the Dockers up flag metal speaking of flag metal actually shout out to these two absolute lads Derry Harking and Samuel Kitchen Richardson who got the text flag mantle tattooed on their legs you absolutely love to see it the flag mantle hype is real and those two absolute legends for doing that and as one of the first people to post about flag mantle it is an absolute honor to see how big it's actually gotten since way back in july 2020 and it's amazing to think that me caleb and Freo memes have started a phrase that has become pretty much common to every Freo fan now so I can proudly sit here and say that I played a role in starting Flag Mantle and I have made an impact on the Fremantle Society. Could not be any prouder of that. I am your host as always, and this has been the Freer Hub Podcast. Thank you for listening. The story is, boys have become men. The Brayshaw, he give you the kid, he'll give you the man. He can do it all, David Mundy. Liam Henry, 
It's for Walter. Oh! Up into the night sky. Sarong. Sarong. Schultz will fall. 